and um, they haven't seen anything like the need to, to make the changes. Thank you all very much. Enjoy the day off tomorrow. You heard there, Stuart Allcroft, Chairman of City Trust, Patrick Bennett, macro strategist at CIBC World Markets, and over in the US, our international economics correspondent, Barry Wood. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take a final look at the markets for the first half of the year and for June as well. In, uh, in Australia, the SX200 up just under 1% at the moment. The Nikkei 225 in Japan has risen about a third of a percent shortly after the open. Cosby in South Korea also up a third of a percent. And then the futures markets indicating a gain of a third of a percent as well for the Hang Seng at the open in just under an hour's time. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil is at $74.80 a barrel. Gold is at $1,762 an ounce. That's it from me today. It's a public holiday here in Hong Kong tomorrow, so Money Talk will return on Friday. I'll be here anyway tomorrow on Radio 3 from 6 to 10 with a special holiday show. Got plenty of music guests and chat so please do join me for that to start off the day uh, coming up in a moment back chat with Hugh Chiverton and Steve Vines the weather forecast uh, for today going to be sunny intervals with a few showers it is going to be hot once again maximum temperature of around 32 degrees and then the outlook is for a few showers and sunny intervals in the next couple of days it's going to be very hot during the day over the weekend it is 30 degrees right now 79% relative humidity 8.31 and a half. Here's Samantha Butler with the half-hour news. The CEO of Clean Air Network says he wants to see more commitment from the government over controlling traffic to reduce roadside pollution. Patrick Fung welcomed a plan unveiled by the government yesterday, which said Hong Kong's air could be comparable to that of Tokyo or Paris by 2035. But he questioned why no timetable or targets were laid out and called for better coordination between the health, transport and development bureaus. Bureau, but that is limited within the emission control measures. What we do not see is that how about uh, control of the growth of the vehicular traffic? What about control of the traffic congestion? Uh, what about uh, limit uh, the uh, street canyon effect? Uh, the other bureau has mentioned some of the work they would do, but we do not know what are the objectives, the measurable goals, and the milestone, at least in five years' time. Japanese researchers say wild boar are thriving in the area around Fukushima nuclear plant, which was evacuated after a nuclear disaster a decade ago. Here's the BBC's Victoria Gill. In this now post-human zone, researchers used genetic techniques to track how wild animals were being affected. DNA from Fukushima's wild boars revealed that they'd bred with domestic pigs that escaped from abandoned farms. This has led to some unusual wild domestic hybrids with the rangy appearance of boar, but the pink and spotted colouring of pigs. The scientists say they didn't detect any genetic effect of the radiation on the wild boar. But breeding with the pigs has altered their biology in ways that could have consequences for the animal's health. Police in Western Canada say more than 30 people in the Vancouver area have died in an unprecedented heat wave. Most were elderly. On Sunday, Canada recorded its highest ever temperature with Lytton in British Columbia soaring to 46.6 degrees Celsius. And United Airlines has announced the biggest aircraft purchase deal in its history. Its order includes 200 Boeing and 70 Airbus planes in a deal worth 30 billion U.S. dollars. The chief executive of the U.S. airline, Scott Kirby, said the deal would underpin a resurgence in air travel, which is slowly recovering from the COVID pandemic. You're listening to the news on RTHK.
Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Hugh Chiverton and your co-host today is Steve Vine. Steve, good morning to you. Good morning. Today we're talking about the anniversary of the national security law and a Chinese medicine hospital. Since the NSL was introduced in 2020, there have been massive changes in Hong Kong. Much of the opposition has been arrested or fled. The election system has been rewritten. Schools are bringing national security into every subject, while liberal studies has been cancelled. Apple Daily has closed. The UK has launched the BNO visa scheme. Government officials have been sanctioned. There's a new chief secretary and no public protest. New cinema censorship rules and controversy at West Kowloon. Police have arrested 117 people, including protesters, former law lawmakers and journalists. So far, 61 have been charged in court and the first trial began last week without a jury. $8 billion has been earmarked to spend on national security. How do you think the legislation has changed Hong Kong in a year? Some say the law brings peace and stability to our streets. Do you agree? Is it, in effect, a reset of Hong Kong, as some claim, a second handover? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, backchat at rthk.hk. Or you can call us, and our number is 233-88266. That's 233-88266. And uh, after 9.15, as I say, we're going to be talking about the first Chinese medicine hospital uh, expected to open by 2025. We'll be talking to uh, an associate professor in the School of Medicine, uh, Chinese Medicine, at the uh, Baptist University. Once again, our email is backchat.rthk.hk. Uh, joining us this morning, we have now uh, Sarabi Chopra, who's associate professor in the Faculty of Law at the Chinese University, Eunice Young who's a new People's Party lawmaker and a barrister at law, uh, and Lin Fung, who's a director of the Centre for Judicial Education and Research in the School of Law at the City University. Chris Young also will be joining us uh, after the news at nine. Uh, once again, uh, backchat.rthk.hk uh, is our email address. Uh, uh, Professor Chopra, maybe we'll start with you. Good morning. Welcome morning. to the programme. Thanks very much indeed for, 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 for joining us. Um, just get an overview perhaps from the start from your point of view how do you think um basically the national security legislation has affected hong kong and particularly the issue of the rule of law i guess in hong kong um thank you hugh um I, I think we're at the one-year mark, uh, and we need to be careful about what we say on the NSL. I think it is fair to say um, the NSL on the whole has been damaging to rule of law in Hong Kong, and I would say that it has brought in rule by fear as a sort of a key modality of governance in Hong Kong. Um, there are two ways in, uh, in which I think it's been particularly damaging to the rule of law. Um, the first being, and the most important being, it's really scaled back the reach of the courts, the Hong Kong, the, the well-regarded, well-respected Hong Kong judiciary in the NSL, uh, in the national security arena. And in that gap between you have an increase in the power of the government and police power, a reduction in the reach of the courts, and in that gap, that loss of checks and balances, I think is where rule of law problems arise. Where's the, where's, the, where's the withdrawal of the courts? Why do the courts have less? less um, so the NSL uh, provides that the Hong Kong judiciary can't judicially review um, the decisions, the policies of the Committee on Safeguarding National Security, which is a regional body, though advised by a centrally appointed advisor. And um, any actions, decisions um, by the Office of Safeguarding National Security, which is a central authority located in Hong Kong, um, are also completely off limits for the Hong Kong courts. 
Now, this, first of all, sits very uneasily with the Hong Kong Basic Law, which says the Hong Kong courts will have jurisdiction over all cases in Hong Kong. But what we also have, you know, let's put aside the sort of very legalistic focus on... on I was going to say, that sounds a little bit of a kind of a technicality. So even if you treat that as a technicality, what we have is two powerful bodies making significant policy uh, and decisions. Uh, The Office for Safeguarding National Security also has operational powers to conduct investigations, arrests, searches and seizures in Hong Kong. And all of those actions are completely outside the remit of the Hong Kong courts. And these policies, these actions will um, have implications for fundamental rights. Uh, Hong Kong has a strong record, particularly since the handover of protecting civil and political rights. And I think the way the NSL is structured, in particular, this rollback of the jurisdiction of the courts uh, affects that. I think, in fact, there'll, there'll be an additional factor, will there not, after the end of this month, when the Immigration Department will be given the right without uh, the prospect of review to control who comes in and out of Hong Kong? Uh, yes, we have recent amendments to the Immigration Ordinance allow the authorities to uh, indeed stop people leaving Hong Kong. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they retain strong powers to stop people entering Hong Kong, which, of course, is a part of border control. But now they have the additional power to stop people exiting Hong Kong. And, and am I right in saying that, that those, those decisions cannot be subject to review? In uh, other words, you cannot appeal to a court for review of those decisions? Um, so, Steve, I think that's somewhat of a grey area yet, and I think that's to be tested, whereas on the NSL... Uh, In the recent uh, Jimmy Lai bail decision, the Court of Final Appeal confirmed that it cannot judicially review the NSL as a whole. And the uh, CFA went further. It said, we cannot review any act of the central authorities that applies in Hong Kong. So we see the CFA sort of ceding its judicial review powers in addition to the the sort of... uh, ouster of, of the judiciary's powers that the NSL has already put in place. Um, it still sounds a little bit like a technicality of interest to an academic like, your, mm-hmm. like, like yourself, but not necessarily of much import to people on the streets. What people on the streets were interested in is going about their business, and they found that compared to 2019, they can do that more, mm-hmm. more easily in Hong Kong. Uh, so certainly we haven't seen the you know large-scale protests of 2019. Uh, let's remember that a lot of that protest activity, while disruptive, was peaceful. And, uh, the, and it, a lot it, wasn't. And, and a lot wasn't. And as the year went on, that, that fringe uh, violence hardened, of course. I think it's important to acknowledge that. But I think what we have now is uh, greater government powers to suppress, uh, including suppressing peaceful political expression that has always been a part of the Hong Kong political ecosystem. Um, and greater suppression, greater control doesn't necessarily equal, and indeed I'd argue does not equal, lasting peace and security. And on the you know academic legal technicalities point, let me illustrate with an example. Um, so let's say there is a um, policy by the Committee on Safeguarding National Security about police powers to tap our phones, intercept communications, uh, surveil lawyers' offices, for example. That policy, which has very real implications for getting um, free and fair legal advice, free not in the sense of financially free lawyers don't do that, but you know what I mean, Um, 
um, fair-minded, uh, uncensored legal advice, um, that's affected. Um, if you had hypothetically uh, unlawful activity by um, someone from the Office for Safeguarding National Security, um, we, someone is picked up uh, without the necessary procedures being followed, put into a car and taken for questioning. That decision, that action, uh, which goes against all of the established common law standards in Hong Kong, all of the rights that are protected in our constitution, our regional constitution, uh, that can't be challenged. So it does have very real implications. And remember that this is a law where the red lines are very unclear. Um, they're moving targets. And uh, one form of control, part of the sort of rule by fear modality of governance is the shifting targets, right? We don't quite know how to conduct ourselves to stay on the right side of this law. Uh, Eunice Young, good morning to you. Thank you very much indeed for, for joining us. Uh, some people have spoken to the, about this as, as, uh, as uh, uh, the, um, I mean, the national security legislation and the changes to the electoral arrangements and all the kind of educational and cultural uh, kind of uh, changes which have come in its wake and, and been connected to it really as a kind of reset. So this is not a small thing. This is the biggest thing almost ever that's happened to Hong Kong. This is a complete uh, rethinking of the last, uh, of the period since 1997. Do you see it as that? Is this, is this like, like a complete reset of Hong Kong, a second handover? How do you see it? Um, I see uh, the whole law as a, whole, as a piece of um, uh, why are we having the national security law in, the, in, in, in uh, 2020 that um, I believe that is the top priority of every country, even for, uh, for China and for Hong Kong. And, um, and we can see that at, at different countries have um, different effective laws to safeguard their own national security. That's why, um, and also national security is not just for um, um, dealing with all the terrorist activities or um, let's say what we have back in 2014, we have the Occupy Central and we have the, the um, Hong Kong riot in 2016 and all of such of that. Um, we don't have a very effective law in dealing with such um, riots or such um, violence activities back then. That's why I believe that, that um, we, we need to have the national security law um, in, this, in this instance. And uh, you just said that uh, we, we, have, we are having in, in different contexts uh, for example, in cultural, uh, um, in the in the military, etc., um, all it all includes um, the national security content and elements, including education. And um, I believe that um, that's that's the reason why we have to plug in the loopholes on uh, on filling in for what we have left um, uh, for not legislating the uh, Article 23 um, by uh, uh, since 2003. So. Um, Yes, this is why the reason why I think we need the national security law. I, I don't think you've answered the question, though, have you? Which mm -hmm. is, is it a reset? I don't think it's a reset. I, I think it's a restart for 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 the for the national security because it's been lacking for for decades for Hong Kong. And uh, and and I, I just now what what I said that why we need the national security because we see the loopholes in in these two decades for Hong Kong and we see that there is increasing national security risk in Hong Kong, so I, I don't think it's a reset. So your your explanation, which indeed is the official line, is that were it not for the disruptions 
of the Umbrella Movement, of the protests of 2019, this would not have happened. In other words, what you're saying is the people on the street provoked this into happening. Um, I'll say that we don't have... Um we don't have um, a very effective way to deal, to deal with such riots and violence acts by the rioters since the, 2019. Sorry, can you, you're, and, you're a lawyer. Can you just explain why there was no effective way? I mean, there's a whole barrage of laws in Hong Kong which deal with violent activity. You're saying they didn't exist before 2020. We have ways to deal with the rise. You just said they didn't. Yes, we, we have the crime ordinance. But, but look, if we're looking at the national security risk, including <coughs> what we are facing, the, the um, Apple Daily, etc., we, 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 we don't have a very effective way to deal with um, Apple Daily. How, how do they collude with the uh, foreign... Oh, foreign so you're, you're assuming they're guilty before the trial. That's interesting. Go on. Uh, I didn't say this guilty, well, you, but we are You've just that said that. You've just said it in those words. You said we have to deal with their collusion with foreign forces. With that That's a matter for the courts to decide. But anyway, you've, you've made your decision about the outcome of that trial. Of oh, course, it's not just not my, my own opinion, but it's by the public that uh, the DPS... Oh, the public. Uh, the public. You mean the millions of people who went out to buy Apple Daily were convinced that they were doing so so they could collude they are, with foreign they, they, powers? They are being suspected that over the, those publications of 30-odd um, articles that they're mainly containing compen uh, commentaries and opinions that uh, there, are, there is suspicious of um, conspiracy, conspiracy to collude with foreign forces and external elements. This is, this is what the, why the police is arresting uh, the officials and, uh, and, 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 and the company in, in, this, in this offense. And I, I didn't say that they are, they are already convicted, but it is what they are being suspected of. And that's why, that's why we need the, the, the national security law in, in, um, um, in 2020, that we need to stop all these um, uh, risks which will damage our Hong Kong's interests and, and our, the, city, the CDG's interests. OK, a few comments from uh, our emails and, bank, and uh, Facebook. Anthony says, Dear Bank Chat, since the launch of the NSL, we can hardly see riots, mobs, arson and innocent people being lynched, Starbucks being smashed, shops being burned, etc. That's from uh, Anthony. Uh, G... G uh, Let's see. Uh, Vic says, yes, peace has returned to the streets, uh, but the underlying discontent among the public, which is exploited by the rioters and their backers, still exists. It's high time the government and the central authorities do something about the stranglehold property developers, landlords, big business and employers have on the economy and stop the exploitation of the grassroots. Do they have the intent and, more importantly, uh, guts to do that? On Facebook, uh, TC says the NSL is a good example of Chinese conflict resolution. Instead of treating the root of the problem, things like the NSL only treats the symptoms. And Henry says the NSL could only be good. I know some Westerners, due to their culture and ideology, may have deep-rooted prejudice against China, but the fact is there to see. Yesterday saw the first July decorative medal in Beijing, and we saw a miraculous advancement in China from a fourth world-class country to its present status in a little over 70 years. Has any Western country achieve that. If one says Chinese state leaders are oppressive, this and that, one does not know what he's saying since his words just do not agree uh, with the facts. That's uh, from Henry. Also with us, as I say, is Lin Fang, uh, Director of the Centre for Judicial Education and Research at the School of Law at the uh, City University.
University. Good morning to you. Good morning. And, and many thanks for, for joining us. Uh, from your point of view, what do you think have been the main effects of the national security legislation on Hong Kong? Uh, I think has, uh, what you summarised actually at the beginning, I think that both aspects are correct. One is it has brought peace and security uh, to the streets. And also it, it has reset. My, that, that's my view. I think it has reset this whole national security regime in Hong Kong. Okay. And that, there is no doubt about it, in my view. Because if you look at the institutional uh, setting, and that's completely uh, different. And that has, I think, uh, in my view, that's something central government wants. Because I've heard many years ago that the the central government is of the view there is a gap of a national security institution in Hong Kong. Isn't isn't the actual gap in Hong Kong one country two systems, and that the 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 differences between the two systems is the gap, and this was actually designed as an intrinsic part of the foundation of the Hong Kong SAR. Your your suggestion is. That, that Hong Kong should, in fact, not enjoy the high degree of autonomy Hong Kong no, people no, no, ruling I'm Hong not, Kong. I'm not suggesting that at all. Uh, one country, two system, that's the fundamental principle. Okay? Uh, there, we have certain matters under the basic law, certain matters are within the central government's authority, whereas the majority of others are within the autonomy of Hong Kong SAR. So that's following the one country two systems. Well, that's and interesting. What, what, what would still be under the autonomy of the um, Hong Kong SAR government? And by which I mean the genuine autonomy. Doesn't that, that there are things here that do not have to be referred to the central liaison office or referred higher up to Beijing? Can you give us an example of where that autonomy still flourishes? Well, then you look at the basic law. And what are the matters set out which are within the autonomy of Hong Kong SAR? Well, we don't need to, well, 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 to the, read the, well, all the, the articles to you of the, the basic law, right? Well, the Chinese constitution says that, that, that there is freedom of speech in, in, on the mainland, but I don't think anybody seriously believes that that is how things operate. If you, well, we are talking about if you ask a majority of people in Hong Kong, and legal scholars, judges, I believe we are still a rule of law, a society. And uh, if you don't believe in the basic law, then what can we talk about? I'm a lawyer. Well, I, I was asking you to give examples. This is very interesting. When asked to give examples of where the autonomy still exists, you revert to saying, well, it does exist and it just does exist without having to give an example. Just go to read the basic law. What are the matters for the central government? And what, well, what are I'm the saying to you is there's, there's a gap between what is stated in the basic law and the reality of what's happening on the ground, as it is with the constitution of the People's Republic of China. There's a gap between what is stated in the much revised constitution of the you, PRC you and the reality. The two. Okay. But if you look at the, even you look at the official line of the central government, their view is the constitution and the basic law together constitute the constitutional basis for Hong Kong. 
So you still they can't give me an example of these autonomies. Call. You still can't you do that, can you? Talk or you want to talk? You invite me to provide my views, okay, right? Why don't you carry on then? Yeah. So here, coming back to the particular issue, we're talking about the NSL, right? So the reason I say there is a gap is because. If you look at the history, at least that I've read from documents, there was a special unit within the police in charge of sort of national security issues. That was called、and、the special branch. No longer existed after the change of sovereignty. That's what I'm referring to, and that's what I've been told by some people that central government had a concern on that. Professor Chopra, what, what, what about that? I mean, yeah, the the colonial forces had the had the special branch. We've had other emails, by the way, talking about the situation, legal situation under under colonialism. Every country in the world has special arrangements for national security, as Eunice Young was was、uh, suggesting.、Uh, we haven't had those in Hong Kong.、Mm-hmm. It seems like an obvious gap, and now we're plugging that gap.、Uh, so, it, if if Professor Fung's still going,、um, thank you.、Um, Just on on Hong Kong's、uh, legal tools available for you know serious threats to the stability of Hong Kong, serious、uh, political, economic, violent threats.、Um, we have a robust terrorism ordinance already on the books, anti-terrorism ordinance rather.、Um, we have the crimes ordinance, we have the public order ordinance. So I'd argue we did have the tools, and we had、um, national security provisions within the crimes ordinance. We did have the tools、uh, to deal with what was happening in 2019 and and early on,、uh, and, and I think a missing ingredient there was、um, not having、uh, not a lack of、um, criminal law tools, but the inability for for a meeting of minds in terms of political negotiation and an effective outreach to the various parties. Um, who, who were involved in contestation at the time? You know, I, th- I think、so. I think to, to, be, to be fair, I think what happened in 2019 surprised pretty much everyone、uh, in Hong Kong,、uh, even surprised Democrats,、uh, it su- mm-hmm, certainly mm-hmm. surprised、uh, the government. There seemed to have been uh,、um, things that were happening previously which、right. people didn't know about. People,、right. there was suddenly the appearance of these valiants and this sudden kind of quantum leap in. In, in protests and the way, the way that the protests were carried out in、uh, in Hong Kong,、uh, and that would perhaps point to a lack of intelligence, to a lack of a body that would that would have been able to anticipate that and see what was going on. The fact that the surprise was very worrying, and so the the, the new national security arrangements are are principally aimed at, at just knowing what's going on.、Uh, so, Hugh, again, I'd say I don't think there was a lack of pre-existing tools. Uh, and perhaps what needed to, to punish, to if to punish terrorism, but to find to, out to, to find to punish, out what was going on. But also to detect, the Hong Kong police had robust powers of intelligence gathering already. But let's say there was a need to create new national security tools. The NSL that we now have in place,、um, in the way it's designed, in some so it creates four new offences as or, or four categories of offences, as, as most listeners would know. In the way that it's designed,、um, two of those offences—collusion with external elements or foreign governments, as well as the offence of subversion—have various modes through which they can be committed.、Um, some are reasonably specific, but there are these catch-all categories that are very, very broad and malleable, 
and are very easy to use to suppress peaceful political expression. And I think what we've seen over the past year is not a judicious, sparing, absolutely when needed approach of, of this, you know, very stringent tool. But um, about an arrest a month, a bumper 50 plus arrests in January, a lot of the arrests in An arrest a month. I think it's a little higher than that level. It is higher than that, but I'm saying at a minimum, what we've seen is an arrest a month, and we've seen it hit a high of 53 arrests in January this year. And a lot of that in arrests, investigations, considering prosecution, has is, is targeting Hong Kong's longstanding peaceful, non-violent political opposition. All right, Lin Fung, I know you have to go in, in, in a moment, but just, um, you know, yeah. uh, Professor Chopra was talking about rule by fear. Uh, do we have rule by fear now in Hong Kong? Well, it depends on how the police will actually enforce the law, because the scope of certain crimes uh, under the national security law depends on, actually, it's not clear to me uh, at this moment. So, uh, I'm still waiting to see how they will uh, charge uh, the people and how the courts uh, will decide on those cases. Uh, as you uh, say, we're yet to hear the result of the, the, of the first trial, so uh, we'll, we'll wait and see in that respect. Okay, Lin Fang, many thanks for, for joining us, Director of the Centre for Judicial okay. Education. Thank you very much indeed. In the School of Law at uh, City University. We're going to continue uh, the discussion. Chris Young also joining us after the news at nine. Uh, chip in, email back, chat at rthk.hk uh, on this topic. Uh, we have got a lot of emails, so probably uh, other uh, topics uh, won't get an airing uh, today. The weather, sunny intervals, and if few showers. It's going to be hot. Temperatures up to about 32 degrees today. And the outlook, a few showers and sunny intervals in the next couple of days. 30 Celsius at the moment with a relative humidity now of 79%. The country at risk. One report suggests senior officials had been replaced. The state news agency KCNA didn't elaborate on what had happened. North Korea hasn't reported a single confirmed case of COVID-19, though South Korean and US officials have expressed scepticism over that claim. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. Back chat this uh, Wednesday morning with Steve Vines and me, Hugh Chiverton. We're talking about the anniversary of the national security legislation uh, in Hong Kong. We have uh, with us now, uh, we're joined by uh, Chris Young, a veteran journalist, former chairperson of the Journalists Association, uh, Eunice Young, who's a new People's Party lawmaker and a barrister at law, and Sarabi Chopra, who's an associate uh, professor in the Faculty of Law at the Chinese University. Later, we're going to be talking about the opening of uh, the first uh, Chinese medicine uh, hospital. Uh, we want to hear from you. You can email bankchat at rthk.hk or you can go to our Facebook page as well. As ever, a lot of uh, comments. Um, obviously, this is a controversial uh, issue and wide-ranging uh, issue. Phil B says, I'm have to edit some of these for length. Uh, Phil B says, I find it very amusing that certain individuals with political views continue to seek approval to hold assembly and marches. The present social distance rules clearly prevent such actions. They should not be outraged when their applications are refused. The subsequent appeal uh, is futile. Uh, uh, Ernest uh, refers to uh, Bowen. Uh, Bowen had earlier said that uh, Anson Chan had uh, had uh, uh, completely denounced uh, any violence in the protests in 2019. Uh, Ernest says uh, Bowen is wrong in his recollection. I remember being disgusted at Anson Chan's failure to condemn the violence and destruction without reservation, instead offering excuses for the thuggery. The Pan-Democrats as a, as a group failed in their duty to stand up to the radicals since they were afraid of losing in the LegCo elections. This 
is clear from the 35-plus primaries. That's from uh, Ernest. Bowen says it can be extrapolated from the past that except possibly over the issue of sovereignty, China's policy towards Hong Kong depends on the kind of reaction it gets from the West and the creme de la creme of the city, meaning the wealthy and capable. The second point is that China never intended Hong Kong to develop along the trajectory of a liberal democracy. The third point to grasp is that any so-called democratic development it would allow Hong Kong to have is always predicated upon careful planning to ensure that goals of democracy, as the term is understood in the West, some would say its true meaning, would be defeated. Preferably while being able to claim that democracy had been delivered and accepted by the people, because that will confer a veneer of legitimacy. Faced with the above, Hong Kongers have two choices, to flee or to accept what's now being given. The difficulty with the latter choice is that those who choose it will do so knowing the deal is done on the false pretense that they've been given their due. The West will obviously not accept such a deal, because doing so will encourage continual performance, falling short of the actual promise made by China, and other even more significant cases which cannot be countenanced. The irony is that while China will claim that its change in strategy has brought about so-called peace and stability in Hong Kong, it could actually prolong and aggravate instability in its relations with the West in critical areas and undermine its own long-term prosperity and stability. To end on a more optimistic, hopefully not too optimistic, note whatever happens in Hong Kong will be dictated by the real needs of China and the world, and these will continue to evolve. That's uh, from Bowen. Derek says, last week one of the listeners was criticising Steve Vines for his lack of knowledge about China. I'd like to help Steve out. For an in-depth analysis and revealing insights into recent events in Hong Kong and China, including what led to the national security law, I would recommend reading Defying the Dragon, published by Hurst and Company. Sorry, I forget who the author is. That's uh, from Derek. Yes, if you (laughs) Google that, you'll get the joke. Uh, Mike says... Uh, long before Backchat, the, there was a phone-in programme called uh, Open Line. Uh, music was played intermittently between speakers, and often after someone introduced a new topic, the host would cleverly uh, find suitable retorts in song. Today's music selection might have been Al Wilson's uh, clever little ditty, The Snake. If you're not familiar with the tune, you can YouTube it. It's quite apropos. Today's topic, the woman in the song was surprised, but the listeners were not. Neither should we be, we be surprised. Hong Kong development is right on schedule. We aren't just part of any decision-making. Is that a surprise? Listen to the song. Um, you might understand. Um, Will says, your guest mentions 30-odd Apple Daily articles which show the collusion between Apple Daily and foreign powers. Is the NSL retroactive or were these 30 articles published uh, after its passage? Um, R says, there are many ways to bring peace when troubles have arisen. Using force and oppression is not the only way or even the best way. What we have now is peace by fear. The end does not justify the means. The means are important. Is it the government's job to beat the people into submission or should they listen to and be responsive to the needs and desires of all the people they are supposed to serve? Uh, and uh, Jim H says uh, rioters burning members of the public throwing firebombs destruction and setting alight of the public transport system did mandate that the force of law in order to protect me uh, in the streets uh, that's from uh, Jim uh, H uh, one more Alan says some say NSL brings peace and stability do you agree what a leading question sure a draconian crackdown brings peace temporarily stability I don't think so This is more like the American major in Vietnam, 1968, who opined we had to destroy the village to save it, from the Viet Cong. How about why was there unrest and escalating violence? 
because of a local government that ignored the will of the people, that systematically dismantled all peaceful ways to influence how the city was ruled, leaving only protest, and then criminalised that. In the process, it turned half the population from indifference to the doings of government to loathing and hatred. So peace and stability, only at the cost of ever more vicious repression, which appointing a brutal police commissar to CS guarantees. That comes uh, from uh, Alan. Thank you very much indeed for that. Uh, Chris Young, good morning to you. I don't know if you saw that uh, press conference yesterday uh, by the uh, uh, Hong Kong uh, 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 Public Research Institute um, talking about uh, um, how people feel, how, how people feel, identify as Chinese or on Hong Kongers, you know, and that, and that, that controversy. Uh, and there's been a, a, a noticeable shift um, towards people feeling more Chinese and less identifying uh, solely with Hong Kong. And if you look at um, uh, support for and trust in the, uh, in the government and, and the chief executive, uh, it's, it's drifting. It, was, it's got, it went way down, but it's definitely drifting, and the trend seems to be towards supporting the government. Do you think that in the long term, in perhaps another year's time, um, we will be finding that Hong Kong, that the national security legislation, in short, is having the desired effect, that the Democrats will be something of a distant dream? Well, uh, first, of course, uh, it's an interesting finding uh, whether it marks the change of um, trend. I mean, um, that, um, that emerged since uh, late uh, I think 2000. Uh, I think since the 2008 Olympics, Beijing Olympics, um, the public perception support towards the uh, Chinese government has uh, been in uh, on in the decline. And, and then uh, now the national security law, and then the latest poll uh, um, announced yesterday shows some interesting findings. Um, it's it's. It's a bit difficult to tell um, whether there's a short-term uh, reaction to um, the so-called return to peace uh, on, on the face of it, on the surface of the society. Um, after 2019 protests um, and then um, COVID-19, um, uh, on, the, on, the face, on the surface of it, I think uh, it's, 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 it's true to say um, stability. Stability has returned, but whether it's a long-term thing, whether it's good for Hong Kong, uh, whether this is the, still the Hong Kong we, we, we want, I think a lot of people will say no or have a lot of reservations. Just look at the number of people who fled, uh, migrated uh, overseas. Uh, I think that will uh, reach a peak um, in July and, and, and August. And maybe um, another, say, the wave... Well, no doubt will continue. It's just the number of uh, people leaving uh, may slightly say uh, s- slow down. But still, we are talking about tens of thousands of families uh, have already or, and will and and will migrate. I think that this is a um, a, a, a clear indication of um, the sentiments, the feeling of a lot of people in society. Not to mention those who. Um, for for various reasons, uh, we will have to we will have to stay uh, we have to stay here, and then the kind of uh, prevailing mood and atmosphere in the society. I think I, I think it's in a very bad mood. Uh, well, okay, let's put that to Eunice yeah. Young. Eunice Young, is there a very bad mood? What do you think? Mm, I, 
I agree that we 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 change from we we emerge from chaos to stability for now. But um, as you have said, some people still have their own belief on the national security law. They don't they don't believe they they, they don't believe it. They have the effective the effectiveness and uh, whether whether it can really provide uh, provide safety for Hong Kong. But um, if you say that uh, we don't have uh, also we some of the Hong Kong people they 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 lost their confidence over Hong Kong and they they left they they, they choose to leave Hong Kong for the time being. But as we have it in um, in back in 1997, we have the groups of people leaving Hong Kong at that time as well. But afterwards they come back. Afterwards, but after they find out what 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 is their life is in in overseas and and whether they have a better opportunity in overseas, then um, maybe they will they will choose to come back to Hong Kong again. If if they see that uh, they we have a better opportunity in here and and in a greater Bay Area, I believe that they 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 will change their mind later on. Does it sadden you to see highly qualified people, people who say that they're leaving because they're worried about the future of their children? under the new education. Does it sadden you to see they're leaving or are you just say good I, I don't think to them? It's sad news because because as a parent we we all want our uh, our children to have uh, to see uh, the world and see it and, and to have a chance to live in other countries. So I, I believe that they just want to uh, uh, widen their horizons and and to have a better scopes of um, their experience. So I, I, I think they they have their choice on on choosing where to have education for their children and where where do they get the uh, to get a living and and how to choose their lifestyle. So um, I think it's a it's a matter of choice on on whether they want to live in Hong Kong or, or somewhere else. Mr. Um, thank you, Hugh. I, I do think brain drain is going to be uh, one effect of the NSL. I think we're starting to see it. Um, I mean, yes, uh, Ms. Young is absolutely right. These are personal choices people are making, but these are personal choices that they're making in the wake of the political decisions and the shift in Hong Kong's political climate that we've experienced. Regarding uh, higher approval ratings for the government, I think it's interesting. Um, I think it's a mix of two things. I think, yes, there is on a day-to-day basis. We don't have the unrest of 2019. Um, I think uh, it is absolutely to the Hong Kong government's credit uh, the way they've managed the pandemic, and and I think they deserve public goodwill and credit for that. Um, But I would also query, um, are we seeing a shift in how people feel or are we seeing a shift? Are we seeing a shift in what people feel they can express um, in, in how they respond to surveys? and the levels of trust they have in speaking openly. Uh, so a, a, a room where people are self-censoring is a peaceful room, um, but you know that sort of superficial peace or, or sort of suppressed peace um, is not what's made Hong Kong thrive. I think it is openness and, and quite robust protection of freedom of peaceful speech that has made Hong Kong thrive. Chris Young, is this, you know, perhaps too early, as Lin Fang was saying, we haven't really seen the outcome of any right. of these, these court cases yet. And also, of course, we've got, we've got the pandemic, which is uh, having a weird effect on the normal political life anyway, isn't it? And, and rallies and so on. And the whole of life is completely altered. The whole texture of life is completely altered by all the social distancing uh, and so on. So we just don't know yet, you could argue, um, what the NSL amounts to. Uh, sorry, um, can you can you can you repeat that again? Uh, sorry, okay, <laughs> just that we don't sorry. know yet. We really don't yeah. know yet what yeah. the NSL means because yeah. we haven't seen the court cases and because yeah. we've got the pandemic uh, yeah. messing yeah. everything up. 
um, the but the but the changes uh, have already uh, I think uh, been unfolding. I think uh, a lot. Of, I think I think Hong Kong has uh, changed uh, fundamentally in in some important aspects. Uh, even even with the end of and uh, we don't know how whether it will really end. I mean, COVID COVID nineteen. Um, but the right of freedom to say uh, hold demonstration, public rallies, um, I think will be fundam- will be fundamentally di- 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 different. Uh, with uh, um, in the new era, I think uh, under national security uh, law, um, the law is there. And then uh, uh, Chief Executive has said uh, clearly, I think a couple of days ago, that the law will be enforced. Um, strictly and um, well uh, to to its entirety, and and then we have the um, new CS, uh, the new security secretary for security coming from the from the from the police. I think that's um, that that's an indicator of the uh, style and approach uh, of, of governance in the years to come, not just in the in the rest of this current term of the government of the administration, but next five. Years and perhaps uh, 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 after that. Uh, so, uh, so, so those are long term, and the and and you see the the room for freedom um, in many aspects: freedom of expressions, uh, media, arts and culture, and film, books, publications, uh, forming associations, unions, uh, etc. Uh, uh, that 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 will be the shape of things to come. Um, one interesting thing is that a lot of groups are formed after 2014, uh, um, Occupy Central, 2019, uh, social protests have just closed down. Um, well, and, and, and Chris, if I may down. interrupt you, it's not just that. I mean, you've got yeah. political parties who've closed down, the Neo-Democrats, oh, yeah. you've yeah. got Democisto. So yeah, I suppose yeah. it raises the bigger question of what shape, what form will the opposition take? Will it be underground? Will there be two forms of, you know, a sort of tolerated opposition and a sort of samizdat, to use the Russian term, you know, underground opposition? How do you think that's going to evolve? I think the, the power of national security is just so enormous that... Um, I, I would say in the near in the near term future, I I, I don't I don't think uh, any opposition can exist in any in any form, and um, it will be highly uh, dangerous. And you can see the um, the police, the National Security Department, are say are targeting uh, newly formed groups, and and uh, I think John Lee has said that publicly. And then the police um, uh, commissioner and the, and the new commissioner had also said publicly that they are they are watching closely uh, newly formed groups, and some of them are just uh, nobody. I think uh, I think even media people uh, know little about it. But but then uh, they were they were they were they were targeted if they just go out to streets, hand out pamphlets, uh, or just putting a store in the, in public places. You what the Chinese okay. call uh, or in the bus. Okay. Um, Ms. Young, do you want to respond? Yes. Um, I, I see that there are some groups have been supplied, and uh, for example, the Hong Kong independence, some of the political groups, as I uh, suggested now. 
And I, I, I believe that they, for the pandemic, they still have to, they, they will need to think further, how are, we, how are they going to serve the Hong Kong people or whether they're going to um, um, go outside of the NSL. Because um, if the NSL is, 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 has such a strong deterring effect in, in, in sense that um, I, I believe that if they want to do good for Hong Kong residents or Hong Kong, Hong Kong, Hong Kong itself, they need to, they need to change their, 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 their objectives. You, you, the, you mean they need to change them so they're no longer pro-democrats? No, no, they, they will still have to be, they, they, will, they will still be pro-democratic pro and, and they just have to find a way to, 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 uh, Actually, not offending the law and not 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 dropping in the the, the NSL and 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 this is what we are doing. All, all other political parties are doing the same thing, and we don't see that it's, it's such a, a difficult decision for them. Well, that's to because you that's the because you're supporting the regime. I mean, it's not difficult to support the regime in in current circumstances. What's difficult is to find ways of opposing yes. it. Look, if they're still supporting acts and activities, which um, which what we see in 2019, that uh, they they they're supporting block roads, vandalized shops, um, 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 such as such as yeah, other, you're very you're very uh, keen on that, aren't you? Yes, you're very yes, keen on that uh, because they, to, you you, you, you like to this, you like to characterize the protests as being purely I violent. Need to, I need to I need to stress that this is what we don't want to see, and we don't want to see the the groups or the or some of the political parties supporting these acts. Is there and any role like, in Hong Kong for anybody who advocates universal suffrage? Just as an example. Um, I, I think we are going on this way, but still, in, in, in the very first place, we need to have a safe Hong Kong. We need to have. Oh, sorry, could you just answer the question? You, you you keep veering away there from is. it. Is there I, I any role? I didn't, I didn't say. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't go 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 further because if we want the universal suffrage, we need a safe Hong Kong, and we need to 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 safeguard our safety before we do anything. We, before we do any reform on on the, on on further electoral reform and such. Right, but but if we don't, we cannot even safeguard our safety. What what else we can do? If we cannot set this as the first priority, and if and if we still uh, are not setting the law for um, colluding with foreign 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 organizations, um, even secession, subversion, then then what can we do for Hong Kong? Okay, some quick reaction uh, from listeners. Um, uh, Jay says, can you please point, pinpoint where the brain drain is? Do we really need uh, these people? Martin says, last time I checked, 60% is a majority. A survey found that 60% of Hong Kongers believe the national security law has not adversely affected their rights and freedoms, while another 47% think it's increased their sense of security. According to the survey, 29% of respondents believe the national security law has a positive impact on their rights uh, and freedoms. What? I'm not sure what survey that is, Martin. If you can, That's not the recent one. Point, point me to that, where that, the source of that survey. would be very interested. Uh, Bowen says, uh, on the weather Anson Chan denounced the violence. Someone at Radio 3 should ask Anson Chan herself. I remember her denouncing her violence without qualifications in a news segment on Radio 3 uh, at least uh, once. Uh, Mark says, was it the NSL that stopped protests or the pandemic? And Peter says, as Steve Vines likes to question guests about their political motivations, feeling, trying to point out individual prejudices, could uh, Steve Vines tell us his stance if he would be happy if the Hong Kong and Chinese government were overthrown, re 
regardless of the means, like attempted in 2019-20. Does he agree and support with the regime change actions and sanctions Apple Daily, Jimmy Lai and Mark Simon were openly calling for for the US and European governments? That's from Peter. Oh, now, another child. Look, look, nobody who believes in democracy believes in overthrowing regimes. What people, and I'm very proud to say I'm one of them, believe in is the will of the people being exercised in a peaceful way and that the avenues to exercise that will remain open. Freedom of assembly, freedom of expression and indeed the freedom, unfettered freedom, to vote for the government. All of these have been undermined. So if you want to have a mini-manifesto, that would be mine. Okay, well, many thanks for joining us, Chris Young, a veteran journalist, to uh, Eunice Young, New People's Party lawmaker, and Sarabi Chopra. Thank you very much indeed, Professor Chopra, Associate Professor in the Faculty of Law at the uh, Chinese University. Thank you very much indeed. There's more comments on Facebook, which you can check out for yourself. Sorry, we have got time. For those who wanted to turn finally today to uh, the new uh, uh, and first ho uh, hospital uh, featuring uh, Chinese medicine that is uh, to be opened soon, plans uh, unveiled. It's due to open by uh, 2025. Uh, to uh, tell us more, we're joined now by Dr. Kevin Yu, uh, Yu Kin Man, who's Associate Professor in the School of Chinese Medicine at the Baptist University. Uh, professor Yu, good morning to you. Oh, good morning. Thank you very much indeed for, for joining us. Tell, tell us about then, what, what is a hospital for, for Chinese medicine? How is that different from, a, from a, a regular hospital in Hong Kong, a familiar hospital? How would it be different? Very simple. Uh, I think uh, in a Chinese medicine hospital, uh, Chinese medicine will be in the driving seat. Okay, so it means when a patient you know, comes in a Chinese medicine hospital, uh, to depend on the conditions, and then he or she will be um, having the uh, pure uh, Chinese medicine uh, treatment, or uh, treatment uh, with Chinese medicine and Western medicine coming in at different uh, stages and when, when appropriate, or uh, he or she will undergo um, treatment having an integrated Chinese medicine uh, and Western medicine uh, treatment. But in, in which case, the Chinese medicine is still playing the predominant role. Yeah, is it is it good for other certain conditions that you think would be best treated at a Chinese medicine and some that wouldn't? Oh, I think that, yeah, I think the, um, the hospital authority, in fact, uh, the Department of Health have been undergoing a lot of study. I think uh, there are certain diseases, like for example, uh, acute or chronic pain, um, or rehabilitation uh, treatment after the stroke, or um, cancer treatment. I think these are actually um, uh, uh, will play a very imp uh, important role. Could, could you explain also, um, Doctor? Will the will the hospital also be doing? Uh, will also have? Will it also have a research function? Oh yes, uh, yeah. I think in um, in this hospital, I think there's um, uh, clinical trials and, and 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 clinical research because I think for Chinese medicine, uh, the, um, the, the 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 clinical efficacy is a, is a very uh, strong, uh, and I think that uh, the uh, citizens of Hong Kong uh, know very well about it. But I think in the Chinese medicine hospital, I think the patients can undergo um, Chinese medicine treatment, and then we can use all the you know, diagnostic criteria. Uh, and then uh, to demonstrate uh, the efficacy, uh, the effectiveness of Chinese medicine treatment. This has been a long time coming, of course. It's, uh, you know, it's, this is the first time it's, uh, we've had a Chinese medicine hospital. Oh, sure. Uh, so a very long time. Why has it taken so long? Well, um, 
I think uh, it's not actually for us to uh, answer, but I think uh, for, I mean, uh, for Baptist University, we are the first one who have the child's medicine course. We have been advocating to the government that, you know, we need a child's medicine hospital because for, basically for the training of future Chinese medicine uh, practitioners. Uh, so that's why our students in the past have to go to, you know, uh, um, uh, the, the Guangzhou or other places uh, to have their the, uh, practicum. Uh, I think uh, now that uh, China, we have now own Chinese medicine hospital, our students, you know, can uh, well, a major part of their uh, training uh, will be in Hong Kong. I think they will be more akin to the uh, the, the needs and, and, and the situation here. Is this a public hospital or, or private? I think it is actually, um, well, uh, in theory, it's not a, a purely um, uh, um, a public hospital, but I think the majority of the beds uh, have been uh, supported uh, um, by the government, which means, you know, when the, when the patients come, you know, in the hospital, many of them uh, will be funded by the government. So I think it is a private, um, uh, public um, mode, a mixed mode as such. Uh, uh, I think, you know, one of the problems w- uh, was uh, in the past was kind of regularizing uh, Chinese medicine because there wasn't an academy and so on in the same way there was for, for Western uh, medicine uh, in Hong Kong. Has that kind of been sorted out so you, so you know who, are the, who, you know who can do the job and who can't properly? I think, uh, um, well, actually, I'm not quite understand. Uh, Can you repeat that again? Well, I think one of the problems with Chinese medicine was that it was kind of, it was a bit more ad hoc than Western medicine. Um, You know, people could could say they were a Chinese medicine practitioner, but there was no one to kind of regulate it. But has that kind of been sorted out now? Uh, No, I think, uh, well, because uh, in the 1999, when we have the Chinese medicine ordinance, I think, you know, from 2003, we have the, the registration of the Chinese medicine the practitioners, which means not anyone who call themselves you no know, Chinese medicine doctor uh, can, 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 can treat patients. I think you need to go through, you know, very rig- rig- rigorous, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, tests and also examinations to actually, you know, to really, to demonstrate that you are really, you know, have to, having the necessary training and expertise. Okay, well, Dr. Yu, many thanks for joining us. Kevin Yu, there, Associate Professor in the School of Chinese Medicine at the Baptist University, just down the road from us here. Vic, in an email, says, Dear Backchat, collusion of government with big business has done more damage to Hong Kong than collusion with foreign forces. Address that. That comes uh, from uh, Vic. Thanks very much indeed. Before we go, Steve, I wanted to, to uh, say that... Um, you said to me this morning you've made a decision about your future at Backchat. Yes, so, so Hugh, first of all, I would like to thank you and indeed all the colleagues at RTHK. It's been an enormous pleasure to work with you and, of course, our listeners, who are always the most important people in any radio station. But we happen to be discussing the first anniversary of the national security law today. It seems to me um, that for somebody who is more critical, the time to remain at RTHK has ended. So, with great regret, but reflecting great pleasure over the years i think i better go okay well we'll miss you steve we we enjoy your contributions well i'll keep listening <laughs> add a, a lot of spice if not anything else to to uh to our discussions and i know you have a lot of fans so um thanks very much for everything you've done steve thank you thank you the weather, uh, sunny intervals and a few showers. It's going to be hot with a maximum temperature of about 32 degrees. A few showers and sunny intervals in the next couple of days. We'll be uh, away uh, tomorrow, returning to talk about the 100th anniversary of the uh, Communist Party of uh, China in uh, Friday's programme. The readings now, 30 Celsius and a relative humidity is at 78%.
The government has set up an emergency alert system to send instant messages on extreme weather, serious public safety and health incidents, and more to mobile phone users, so that the public can adopt contingency measures quickly. You may need to update your mobile phone settings to receive these emergency messages. For inquiries, please contact your mobile operator. Stay alert at all times upon receiving emergency messages. 9.32, the news now with Samantha Butler. The Environment Secretary Wong Kam Singh has rejected criticism that the government's 15-year clean air plan lacks targets and timelines, saying officials have to be pragmatic. He said Hong Kong faced more challenges than other cities in improving air quality because it was a port for ocean-going vessels packed with buildings and cars with surrounding regions still under development. Police in Western Canada say dozens of people in the Vancouver area have died in an unprecedented heatwave. More than 60 sudden deaths have been reported since Monday, most of them elderly or with underlying health conditions. And it's emerged that residents at the Florida apartment block that collapsed last week were warned in April that the building was in urgent need of repair. The building's residents association had asked those living there to contribute to the cost of extensive repair work. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the University of Set and Costume Design, great interpreter of Beethoven. As well, also shy, quiet, and retiring doggy council co founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is a really for adults, it's not really for kids. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Decide of what's happening behind the myth. Good morning. In depth interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Good morning. Welcome to Wednesday here on The Morning Brew. So, composer and conductor Colin touch in with me at 10.40 for this week's classical music chat. Today is the day you become a conductor. Fairs, please. Yep, at no expense at all, Colin's going to hand you the keys to the castle. Lesson one, the baton. After 11.30, RTL France's Philippe Dovar will be with us for this week's hefty slice of summary musical fromage. At 12.10, we're going to visit Chris Watts at his Motion Dynamics studio in Central. Today, we'll find out about how our posture is dependent not just on musculoskeletal balance, but also on your vision and your inner ear. So there, join Chris on Facebook Live if you can. We're here until one. <laughs> 